Today we're going to take up a subject that I think you'll find interesting. We're going to talk about Job's comforters, or as I prefer to call them, Job's counselors. We all know the story of Job, I suppose, even people listening who are not Christians may remember that story of Job rather well because it's well known in our society. But just briefly, let me run over the story again. Here is Job, a righteous and holy man, prospering, faithfully serving God, when suddenly, out of the blue, as he sees it, comes the worst kinds of affliction. Members of his family are slain, his property is removed, and finally his own body is afflicted with terrible boils and sores. According to the practices of the time, Job goes out on an ash heap and sits in mourning and contemplation, and there with a piece of potsherd, a broken hunk of clay pot, he scrapes his boils. It's not a very pretty picture. He's in pain, he's in agony, he's in misery, but he doesn't know what's behind it all. Now the scriptures have already given the reader some indication about what's behind it. There is a controversy going on in heaven. The controversy is between Satan and God. Satan says that Job doesn't serve God uh, just because he loves him, but he serves in order to get something out of God. He questions his motives. He doesn't believe that uh, a man can serve God out of the proper motives. And God says, all right, you may do this, but no more. And then afterwards he lets him do a little more and then draws a line. And then finally a little more and draws a line. Don't take his life. All through this picture, Job continues to serve God. Even when his wife says, curse God and die, he refuses. Now, the interesting thing about this picture is that three of Job's close friends, they're called friends in the passage and passage, and so they're people who do care about Job. They come in order to counsel Job and help Job. And I'm talking to you about this today because you may have friends uh, to whom you need to give some counsel from time to time when they fall into affliction. Every Christian has uh, friends who need counsel. And if you're not a Christian, you yourself need counsel from some person who can point you to the Lord Jesus Christ as the fundamental answer to your problem who, in whom are all the other answers to your specific problems. But let's assume that we're talking now to Christians who are going to help other Christians who have fallen into some affliction and they can't discover any cause of that affliction in and of themselves. Now here, comes the, here come the three friends of Job. And for a time, according to custom, they sit quietly and they say very little. Eventually one of them speaks then the next, then the next, and then there are other speeches by each of these men. The major portion of the book deals with the speeches that these men make. Job replies to each speech. Without going into all the details of these speeches, let me say that the first thing that we notice about these counselors or supposed comforters of Job is that they all three come with their minds made up. They have decided what Job, Job's problem is before they even talk to him. And it's clear in their words. They're, they're telling him what it is that he has done wrong. And they have assumed, all three of them have assumed, that it is Job's fault 
that these boils and these misfortunes have come upon him. Job, to the end, maintains that it is not his fault. Surely he has not done everything properly, but there has been no particular thing that he has done that he believes uh, brought these difficulties into his life. And the interesting thing about it all is that Job steadfastly maintains this in the agony of having to argue with these men about it at great length. He maintains it to the very end. He even calls upon God saying, Lord, uh, stand up against me and let me plead my case with you as uh, directly face to face. And finally, God actually speaks to him out of the whirlwind, telling him that he had no right to speak that way to him, but that he was right about this basic issue. Now, there were three things wrong with Job's comforters or counselors, and it's those three things I want to warn you against in going to another whom you seek to help who may be in some misfortune. The first thing is that they went with their minds made up, and therefore they failed to gather the facts. They assumed that misfortune came and came only and always to a believer when he had caused that misfortune to come by sinning against God in some gross or outstanding way. The fact of the matter is that like the man in John 9, there was another issue at hand. God was out to glorify himself through Job's afflictions. Just as God was out to glorify his son through the affliction of that man born blind who had not sinned, nor his parents had sinned, but simply that the works of God might be made manifest in him, says the writer. So they failed to gather the facts. They assumed they knew the facts ahead of time. And that's one of the most dangerous things anybody can do when he tries to help another person who's in trouble. The first thing that must happen is he must learn to gather the facts about this particular situation, even if it looks like another that he dealt with last week. Probably, under the surface, there are great, great differences. So let's never assume that we know before gathering the facts about every specific case and each individual. The second failure of Job's counselors was that they failed to believe him when he protested that he had not brought this upon himself. You see, the counselor, like those whom he counsels, must always operate in accordance with 1 Corinthians 13, 7, where we're told that love believes all things and hopes all things. These men thought the worst of Job. They did not believe him when he protested his innocency. They did not believe when he said that I've done nothing specific to bring this specific problem upon me. They did not love him as they should, therefore. They should have believed until the facts drove them to say otherwise, not start by disbelieving him and being suspicious of him. Many counselors err in this respect because they doubt every word that a person has to say. In our counseling, we try always to take people seriously about what they say and try to move with them as long as we can and only disbelieve when the facts demand disbelief. The third and last failure of Job's counselors that I'd like to mention is that because they failed to gather the facts and because they failed to believe Job, they failed to get at his real problem. Job needed help. He really needed counsel at that time, and God's words to him make it clear that he, he needed it. But what Job needed was not to be censured for what he had not really done to bring anything on himself as they thought he had, 
But what Job needed was to be taught how to handle this difficult problem, how to respond to it, how to deal with this, this trouble that had come upon his life that he had not brought upon himself. And he really could have used some good help and some good counsel and some good encouragement from those men at that point. But because they got focused in the wrong direction, they failed to get at his real problem and to supply the counsel and the comfort that Job truly needed. Don't be a Job's comforter or a Job's counselor. Take to heart these three points. Gather the facts, believe what the person says in love, and get at the real problem as a result. Lord, help us to be good counselors of those that you bring into our lives, that we may point them truly to Christ and his word for his sake. Amen.